Welcome to the first episode of the ISO podcast. Um, I'm your host, Chuck Duru. And on today's podcast, we had Kofi Josephs of the Worcester Wolves and also GB International. We had a really good conversation where we, you know, delved into his career to date, um, starting from um, his time as a junior at Reading Rockets all the way up to playing um, in the BBL for Worcester Wolves. Um, we also delved into his international experience, playing for GB and playing for England in the Commonwealth Games. And um, yeah, he was able to give a lot of insight into, into his career, some of the struggles he faced, uh, both mentally and physically. And um, we also had a nice, good conversation about um, some of the stuff he gets up to off the court. So yeah, it was a really good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Please like, subscribe, share. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Kofi, how's it going, man? What's going on, bro? You telling me? Yeah, nothing, man. Nothing, man. Just here trying to survive in this uh, lockdown, you know? Um, how you been keeping, like, uh, keep yourself busy and stuff? Um, I've been good, man. I've been good. Uh, this lockdown's given me a chance to just dive into all the other stuff that I enjoy doing. Do you mm. know what I mean? So, yeah. obviously, still, still working out and stuff, but yeah. it's just giving me the free mind to just do the other creative stuff yeah no i hear that man i hear that i think i think i'm I'm the same like i've been like sort of trying to get into other stuff um stuff i used to do like hobbies i used to have back in the day and stuff and and just really getting used the time and trying to do other stuff as well man but um but yeah man thanks for coming on to um today's episode um let's start let's start with this season um quite a weird one really isn't it with the whole um, early shutdown of the season, but um, how would you say your season went? Uh, I'd say the season went pretty well, to be honest. Um, we had a new group of guys, new coach. It was a new everything. Obviously, coach wanted to revamp the mm. whole club because of what a mess it was last year. Yeah. Like the year before. Yeah. So, it was just new. We had new players. Um, it's new everything, really. And it was like, kind of like a fresh start and we had a lot of young guys and players that had to prove our coach had a lot to prove so we all had that chip on our shoulder which was cool and, yeah um, I think that's why we did so well yeah I mean for your as a as a club I mean Worcester had a had a pretty good season you know um getting to the I mean winning the BBL Cup final um how, what was that like then for you especially um seeing as you're from Birmingham like playing in playing in front of a uh what was a home crowd really for you um talk to me about that that was mad, you know, because before the season started, I said, and it was right before um, I signed up Worcester, I was, I, I was like, it'd be sick if I won the BBL Cup. Obviously, the other stuff's cool and that, like the old 2 down in London, the one up in Glasgow's cool, but because I'm from Birmingham and we don't have a team there and I haven't played at home in a while, that would be the one that I wanted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when the season started, it was... We was like practicing and playing and in the back of my mind I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to set that goal because if I don't get it, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. But then um, we kept sticking with it. We lost a couple of games, but we still had a chance. And then we got like the toughest run. We got like Newcastle, then we had um, Leicester and obviously the Leicester series, we had to play them home and away. We lost at home and we had injuries and it was like, oh, Let's go down to Leicester and just see what happens before we make it to the final. And then we did all that, and then we were just like, 
we got to play Bristol. We don't like Bristol. They don't like us. <laughs> yeah. But we don't like the man so much that we'll play them in a the car park. You get me? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just don't like you, man. Yeah. So we'll beat you anywhere. Do you know what I mean? And the last time we played them, I think we lost. So this was one that we just wanted to embarrass them, to be honest. And um, yeah, it was just great that we got to win the, the cup at the same time. Yeah. See, I, I never knew about there was a rivalry between Bristol and Worcester. I mean, I think that's... Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things of the BBL. I think everybody kind of knows about, you know, the, the Newcastle, Leicester, you know, um, a few of the other rivalries. But I, I never knew that Bristol and Worcester had animosity. And I think, I think one, it makes great it makes great entertainment to, to know about more of the rivalries in the BBL. You know what I mean? Whether that's players, whether that's teams... Um, I think it makes the games more more juicy, you know. Yeah, definitely. The yeah. thing was with, with some of the other clubs, obviously they got that history. But yeah. Over the last couple of years, it's been social media rivalry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> social media like that, but yeah, we really had game time rivalries. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the way they play is really physical. They just want to bully. Uh, obviously, we're a young team, smaller team, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you can run that bully and stuff, but it, it ain't it ain't running. Do you know what I mean? Nah. And um, so there was that clash, and obviously two teams of good basketball players mm. competing at a high level is fun. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's really where the rivalry grew, and we played them guys like five, six times yeah. more than anybody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's interesting, man. Like, like, yeah, that's that's really interesting. But I I watched the game. It was a really good game. Um, I think it was like literally a couple of points in it. Um, for the whole game, you know, it was there was no like big lead. And I think towards the end, I think you lot were just better down the stretch um, and ultimately got the job done. Um, but yeah, I remember I watched it on, um, I think it was on BBC Red Red Button. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a really good, really good game. Um, but yeah, man. Um, so yeah, let's let's start the beginning. Um, so firstly, like I, first time I saw you play um, was when you were at Reading Rockets. Um, oh, yeah. as a under 18 I think it would have been your last year of under 18s um, yeah. you actually played with a friend of mine um, Daniel Martin don't know if you remember him yeah yeah the point guard yeah 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 so um, I think I was there with another friend watching the game um, your game against Westminster Warriors you know when they had you know the, the quote unquote loaded team um, yeah 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 that was that was the first time i saw you play like uh live um i was there with a friend watching um come to support daniel and that um but yeah i mean they were loaded but you guys were quite loaded too you know what i mean like you had you had quite a quite a stacked under 18 team um what was it like then playing at reading it was cool you know it was an experience what's funny is um Namo tried to get me and Adam to come join Westminster. Yeah, no way. While we were at Reading, like that, like going up to that year, which is funny. That would have been crazy if we would have joined that team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that year was interesting for me because obviously I'm from Brom, and I'd never lived anywhere but home at, at that point. And I didn't actually live in Reading. I lived in Henley on Thames, which is like a really nice upper end like towns you know what I mean and that's not where I'm from I'm from like the inner city do you know what I mean so mm. moving there to like that kind of area was an adjustment for me yeah. and having to play so much basketball was crazy because they had me doing the college team because I was in the ACE program then I was playing under 18s 
I was doing Division One men's at the same time. Yeah. Like all three. So that was a lot for me, but I learned how to really play basketball. And before that, I'd never really ran plays. It was more so like ISO basketball. I'd never ran a pick and roll before. Yeah. So when I got there, and they were teaching me how to run Spanish pick and roll and learning all like these intricate plays. I really learned, but at first it was growing pains, man, because I just didn't like being away from home. Every time I got a chance, I was on the train back to Brom. It was just, it was tough. It was a tough adjustment, but I got there in the end. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's one of the things with, um, especially when you're young, you know, like making making the trip to to play somewhere else or further your career somewhere else, which is a lot more common now, as you see a lot of guys, you know, going to like Maesco and all these other academies around the country. But not just, you know, you've got to factor in the fact that you're living away from home at a young age. And also from a basketball standpoint, it's like what you were probably, the style of play you're probably used to at Birmingham, you've now gone to Reading where maybe it's a bit more organised. So you've got kind of like that adjustment and then the living adjustment and being a young a young kid, essentially. Um, so I think it's, so I agree with you, man. Um, so yeah, so from Reading, um, you ended up going to prep school in the US. Um, so how did that come about and, and what was that experience like? I went to Arlington Country Day. We were like ESPN top 25 or like top 15. Yeah. Um, before getting there, I obviously I wanted to go to the States when I was at Reading where they were like stay, blah, blah, blah. But um, I knew Kaylin yep. and Creon. Yep. And Creon took a team of like talented players over to the States for the summer and we played in like ESPN AAU Summer Showcase and all of that with like top universities there and high schools, prep schools, all that stuff. Yeah. And um, one of the prep schools, well, it was a it was a high school that I went to but just for my senior year. They were there to have a look at me. But they'd known about me before but they wanted to see if I could play against American competition if I was as good as like, I looked on film and stuff, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I played, I played really well in that tournament. Um, I had guys like Kaden was on the team, Mustafa was on the team, uh, Gabe Alisseni was on the team, Abadrian. Um, yeah, it was a good team. So, got the scholarship. I uh, went to the school in September. And, man, that was probably the biggest culture shock of my life. I thought <laughs> to Reading was mad, but... Now I'm living in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm yeah. in the hood. When I'm there, I'm in a trap. It's absolutely really? mad. Like, <laughs> by my school where police are shook to go down. I'm even gunshots. I'm thinking this is nuts. And my school is a basketball factory. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They brought in players from all over the world, all over the world, just for basketball. Like to get school, like top players from Puerto Rico, like national players of the year. Mm. We had Sergio Barker's little cousin. We had Ennis Canada's little brother, like one of them type schools, do you know what I mean? Just yeah. to prepare you for the next level, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd gone from being like one of the best in the country to like, and no one, obviously I knew that that would be the case if I wanted to progress and really take my game to the next level. But it's different because of the American mentality as well. Like, yeah. you're at the bottom of the totem pole, but they're telling you you're at the bottom. Yeah. They're not really helping you climb it do you know what I mean like if you ain't built for it then you ain't built for it yeah no I, I 100% man like I, I even went I went to prep school as well and literally that was the exact same experience um, in the sense that 
I think a lot of players don't realise like America's not all the glitz and glamour it looks until you get there. Like it's dog eat dog, man. Like and the thing I the thing I find with America is I found with America is that there's a lot of players like that aren't talented, but they'll bust your ass simply because they got that mentality of I'm a star and I'm a bust your ass and I'm gonna be the best person in the gym and I think that's what separates Americans and British players. I don't think players here are bred like that to be killers. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereby in America it's like you're being a killer, but whether or not we're not really necessarily having the skills can get you a scholarship. Yeah, the mentality like you yeah. have is crazy and I I knew from young I've got more the American mentality than the European mentality. Yeah. So I was like I'm gonna just go to the States because the European thing and the way I play isn't really my style. Mm. And I'm a, obviously from young I was like I wanna go America, I wanna go America so I was like this has been my dream from forever. So I'm going. Yeah. Whether it works or not, I'm gonna try and it was tough, man. Like, it was really hard. Like, you're playing against great players every day. Yeah. And you just, like, you've got to be so resilient. It's crazy to even just have the confidence to want to go back to practice. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're getting told that you suck, that you're soft, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're playing against players that are, like, top 150, ESPN top 150, like, guys that have been recruited by all sorts of schools. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. They're thinking about the next level. They're trying to go to the league. They're trying to embarrass you. It's either step up or step out. So yeah. having that mentality and that resilience is just one thing that I had to have to be able to survive, let alone do well. Yeah. No, I, honestly, like I, I couldn't agree more, man. Like I even remember um, when I was in when I was in the states, I played against Montrez Harrell. You know what I mean? I heard about him being, you know, this, that and the third, like really good, going here, going here. Um, I think he'd already committed to Virginia Tech and like that didn't stop him from dominating the tournament we played in. Like he was literally like he'd he'd got his scholarship, he'd you know what I mean, he'd committed and everything, but if he still played like he had a point to prove. And I think that's another thing where, you know, what we said about the mentality of Americans, it's like you know, you get a lot of English players who maybe get comfortable with, you know, uh, I've got I've got my scholarship or I've got my pro contract, you know, I'm, I'm chilling, you know, I'm in the summer, you know, just having fun. Whereas in America, it's like, it don't matter, like, forget all that, I'm still trying to kill everybody in this gym, you know what I mean? I'm trying to prove it, show everyone I'm the best, I'm the man, do you know what I mean? That's what you've got to do because yeah. you never know who's watching. Mm. And when it's time for you to go to the league, they'll pull up stuff from, like, your junior year yeah. Of, uh, he doesn't play hard all the time. He plays down to his competition. Blah blah blah. Mm. And it's just, it's just one of them things. Plus, if you're killing everyone all the time, you get more respect. Yeah. And, and that can go a really long way. Yeah. So you finished at prep school, and you ended up getting uh, an offer to Mississippi Valley State. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you didn't end up going. Um, what happened? What happened there? <laughs> it's funny because that whole year I was committed to Arkansas Little Rock. Like that was one of the schools that I committed to before I went to um, Arlington Country Day. So okay. That was one of the reasons I went to Arlington Country Day because they knew the coach and it was kind of like just a place for me to go for a year before I um I I graduated. Yeah. But I was also obviously it's a, it's a year, so you can decommit and 
we lost at White Other School. So did all that, did all that, and then the end of the year came. It was just a mess, man, because my NCAA clearinghouse was determined ineligible. Well, it wasn't ineligible, it was eligible with conditions. So they basically said, I can go Division One if I go to a school for two years and sit, don't practice, don't play, can't be on scholarship, I just got to be a regular student, and then for two years after that, then I can play. And it was like, are you serious? Like, what university do you know that's going to pay a player to sit for two years? Not even a redshirt year, like two years. Yeah, that's... that's insane, man. That's nuts. But, um, at the time, we were trying to work it out, and I was I was locked in. I'm trying to go to Division 1, trying to go to Division 1. I think I'm good enough, blah, blah, blah. But if I would have went JUCO for two years, then I would have been eligible to go to any school in the country. Do you know what I mean? Any level, like, it doesn't matter. But I was so headstrong that I went to go to Division 1 right out of high school because that's what I had dreamed. It, it, it messed me up. So I was down in Miami working out at the University of Miami. They were looking at me, working out with guys. Um, <clears throat> and I was close to signing there, the University of Miami, which is ACC. Yeah. And um, the coach changed, Frank Hafe. He ended up getting fired and going to Missouri. There was a new crit coach that came in. So that was all a mess. Um, and I went home. And I was just like, what am I going to do? Because no school's trying to bring me in to sit for two years. This is... This is ridiculous. I was fighting with the clearinghouse. Like, bro, I still don't even know where my clearinghouse woman lives. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're trying to ruin my life. Like, I've worked so hard for this. And you're just coming up with conditions because in the UK, we start school before you guys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So was this was this to do with... Because I remember there was like a, some kind of confusion um, about yeah. GCSEs being the yeah. completion of secondary education versus a high school finishing high school in america was that was that the situation you were in yeah the woman was trying to tell me i basically should have went straight to university at 16 i was like what yeah no one's doing that you guys ain't even doing that and then there was some confusion about uh a levels and b tech and obviously at this time they didn't know mm. and we tried to do all that stuff before i went to the states and they were like yes yeah, we'll be fine and then i ended up getting screwed so i was i was pissed so i'm at home the summer's passing me by now. Um, but then I got another offer from Mississippi Valley State. And I was about to sign there. Well, I did sign there, getting ready for the flight and stuff, waiting for the clearinghouse stuff to come through to see if I'm eligible. Because it was the woman said she's going to look into some more stuff. I've already signed a scholarship. I've got a flight. I'm ready to go. Turns out I'm not eligible, so I couldn't go. Scholarship signed for nothing. It was just a piss take. So I'm at home from September to... December and then a lot of people working for me trying to find me a new school because I'm like I still want to go to the States and I'm missing I've missed the whole of the first semester so if it don't happen now I ain't really trying to just be waiting because obviously your clock's still ticking yeah and it was just a mess so I ended up going um, NAIA for a really good NAIA school um, in Arkansas because I was like I need to keep playing because it's a bit late for the European route and I'm not ready to go pro so I need to find a way. And at the time, I was still stuck up on, I don't want to go Juco, don't want to go Juco. Yeah. I don't actually have just gone Juco. And then two years later, I probably would have signed at University of Miami anyway. Yeah. And then from there, you could get out and your life goes a completely different turn. Do you know what I mean? So, so, that, so was, that was what was going on there. 
So in hindsight, do you think you would you think you should have signed with a JUCO and done gone that route then? Is that is that what you're saying? Hell, hell, hell yeah. But mm. on the other side, I could have signed JUCO and then That's 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 good that you've 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 taken that away from um, what really was like a I don't know a shitty experience to be honest, man. But um, yeah, it was crazy, bro. It was I'm like I felt like I wanted to quit ball. I felt like a failure. And obviously, a lot of kids at the time, when you when you leave England to go to the states, the people that believe in you are like, yeah, he's going straight to high school. Then he's going straight to D one because I believe in him. Then you got the haters on the other side that are like. Uh, he's gonna go to the state. He's gonna flop. He's gonna come back, or he's gonna go JUCO. Yeah. He's dead. You know what I mean? But they don't understand. Some of the realest reapers in the country go JUCO. Yeah. They, just, they either don't go to class, they just mess up in school or something. But so, a lot of them are Division One players. You know what yeah. I mean? like, JUCO probably is tougher than than Division One because it's cutthroat. Yeah. And that whole mental side, I was like. I wanna. I don't wanna be a failure. Um, I wanna go Division One. That's been my dream. So that was really what overweighed my decision. If I could have really had someone on my side to really talk me through it and just be like, "Yo, forget what everyone's talking about. Just, just do go, do what you need to do. You'll be back at D One and you'll be more ready." Yeah. I probably would have would have done that, and then who knows? Yeah. So, you end up signing at John Brown University. Um, so, what was that experience like? Yeah, tell me a bit about that. That was interesting. I was there for <clears throat> two, two and a half years. So, when I got there at Christmas, I did that semester, I redshirted. Then I did my freshman year and my sophomore year. My freshman year, I got freshman of the year. We went to like, we was like number four in the country. We went to the Elite Eight National Tournament. Um, sophomore year, I got all-conference. Um, and I damn near doubled all my stats from the freshman year. It was crazy though because I didn't know what NAIA was. I just wanted to go um, to college in the States. And then obviously at this time I'm distraught and I'm screwing because I'm a Division One player. Do you know what I mean? Like when you sign Division One out of high school or prep school or JUCO, you're not actually a Division One player until you go and do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you're not a pro until you played pro because you don't even know if you can handle it yet. Do you know what I mean? You're, yeah, you've 100%. To be a pro, you've got the potential to be a Division One player. Mm. So, at the time, I was like, I'm a Division One player and I know it and I've known it from times. So when I got to NAIA, I kind of didn't have the respect for the situation and the people and I was just pissed at my situation. Do you know what I mean? In my head, it's, I'm just trying to just do what I got to do. If, that, if, I, if my eligibility gets clear tomorrow, I'm out of here. <laughs> so, I'm kind of, you get me? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't want to be here, and it's just one of my only options. So yeah, I've just got to do it. And it was a Christian school. It was in Arkansas. I didn't visit before I went. I talked to the coach for 10 minutes once I got the offer. And then like, a week later, I was at the school. 
it was nuts because when I got to the sport, um, the airport sent my bag to the wrong Fayetteville. I was going to Fayetteville, Arkansas. They sent my bag to Fayetteville, North Carolina. So oh my god! Screw them, bro. <laughs> No contact lenses. <laughs> Can't see the basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. jokes aside man I can imagine that being you know a daunting experience at first but probably looking back you probably learnt a lot about yourself as a as a man as a and as a basketball player um I broke my hip there as well oh really oh I was, I was just yeah, about to touch on that I as well my hip and I'm 
first hip surgery. That was a madness as well. So that's why I, I, I had to leave there, bro, because I felt my hip get hurt. And like, I couldn't walk. And I'm telling him, yo, I can't feel my leg. Like, the whole leg, I'm thinking, this is mad. Like, I can't feel my leg, bro. So I'm hitting it, and I'm like, okay. You know when you sleep on your arm? Yeah. You feel it, and you're like, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt my whole right leg. So then, time's gone on, and it's getting worse. I'm taking ice baths and stuff just so I can walk the next day, you get me, and get through practice. And then, finally, when I got uh, x ray, but the coach and the trainer were on like, we're in cahoots. So, because I was an important part of the team, the coach didn't want me to get seen by anybody. So, the trainer was like, Yo, I'm shook of my man, so I'm not going to help you. Oh, my days. Obviously, with my personality, I'm flipping out. I'm not going to back down. I'm going on a mad one mm. because I'm trying to go the right route and you guys ain't helping me. So cool, we'll go the other route. And then finally got an MRI. They basically said your hip is torn, shredded. It's like having oh stones in your shoe, but you're barefoot and you're just running around in them. You're just <sighs> destroying the cartilage, everything, bro. That sounds nasty. Yeah. I got the MRI and then that day, because my hip was so messed up, they couldn't get the needle into my hip to get the the dye in there to take the MRI. So they had to take out the needle like five times. It's got to the point where the, the nurse is holding my leg, moving my leg around with the needle in there just so the dye will come out. Then we got back to school. I can't walk, obviously, because I've had a traumatic experience with a needle in my hip socket. And coach is telling me i got to play. I'm like, what? On the bad hip? Bro, on the hip, I've still got the dye in my hip. Yeah. And the trainer, for some reason, has booked the third, the, um, the, the, the MRI on the same day as the game. Could have done it the next day. He's booked it on the same day as the game. And then the coach has got pissed off because I've said to him, the doctor said I can't play. He's like, oh, you're soft. Oh like, I haven't got none. Obviously, I've come to the game in team tracksuit. I've got my glasses on. He's like... He basically said, in, in not, not so many words, if you don't play, I'm sending your ass back to England. Wow. I'm like, what? And this, and this yeah. is a man of God. <laughs> Bro, a man of God. <laughs> the irony. One of the student assistants. Yeah. Where's Kofi's contact lenses? I'm like, I'm like, what? Why are you asking him? The, the, a student assistant asked me. I told him where they are. He's ran back to my apartment, grabbed all my contact lenses, because he doesn't know which ones are which. He grabbed all of them, he ran back to the arena. I'm thinking, why are you doing all this, bro? I'm not playing. <laughs> bro, I've ended up putting on my contact lenses. Next minute, he's got me in warm-up line, in like layup lines. I'm thinking, I can't move. And he's looking at me. He's getting more angry because I'm limping. So he's calling me soft, bro. I'm thinking, I've had six needles in my hip socket today. Yeah. And I've got dye in there. And you're talking about, I'm soft. This is insane. Like, what's going on? Then... He's bench me for the whole first half of the game. I'm like, bench me the whole game. <laughs> but then, to, to spite me, he's like, I'm going to play you a little bit in the second half because we were losing. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, we're losing. Now, now you're going to have to play me. So in my head, I'm like, oh, I've got all this deep heat on my hip. Obviously, it's, it's burning. So I'm like, you know what? I've took like six pain players. I'm like, you know what? I'm on the bike at the bench on the bench if I'm gonna have to play I might as well be ready do you know what I mean yeah yeah so he put me in the game and he's basically telling me don't shoot the ball and I'm like bro he's put me in the game to play my game 
So I was like, you know what? Nah. So I went, I think I had like 21 points or something in that second half. In the, with, a, just, with the bad hip? With the bad hip, because I was pissed off, bro. Like, I forgot about the hip. And <sighs> I just wanted to prove a point to him. And obviously we won. And he, he, was, he was upset because he wanted to win, but he didn't want me to do well. And he obviously he tried to back up his claim that I was lying. But I'm like, you can't really lie about your hip when you've actually had needles in your hip socket. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not gassing. Like, but that was one of the other things that happened at, at JBU. We just like, I'm over this. Like, I need to leave. And I needed to get back to the NCAA because at that time I'm thinking, well, I want to go pro. These pro teams don't even recognize D2 NCAA. So I need, imagine what they're going to think about N, about NAIA. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, I need to get back to the NCAA and just signing at a D2, um, like a top five school in D2. And um, yeah, man, but NAIA, don't get it twisted. That's just like Juco, bro. I was playing against guys from like Kentucky, Ole Miss. Yeah. Because and they're all like guys that are like 25, 26, bro, because the NAIA has got lenient rules. So these men have played their NCAA ball, but because they ain't got to where they want to go, they want to get some more stats or get their masters or whatever. And then you're playing against grown ass men that are 25, 26, and you're like 19. Yeah. I'm talking like 6'5, 6'6 guys that are like 230. Jesus. Do you know what I mean? It's a big ass guard. Like, <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm like six five one eighty at the time. Like mm. it was it, it, it taught me real toughness, man, and resilience at that time. So, um so yeah, so you'd end up trans transferring to a to a D two school. Um so in terms of like the standard, how would you compare the standard then? Um uh, if you compare, to, say, the conference you're in in the NAIA or the teams you played and the teams you played at D2? I'm quite lucky, you know, because I was in a, one of the best conferences in the country at NAIA and one of the best conferences in the country for D2. So mm. a lot of teams in my conference went up to D2 and played and have competed for, like, in nationals for D2. So that was good. Um, it was It was interesting. It was interesting because Metro State, they were in our D2 conference. They won how many national championships? It's, it's crazy. Mm. National player of the year is like, it, it's, it's tough and they produce really good players. Um, and we're in Colorado, so we're running over teams when we get to the national tournament because we're at like 10,000 feet, do you know what I mean, above sea level. Yeah. So to be able to perform at such a high level at that altitude is insane, but the quality of basketball was good. Um, mm. I found the guards, the guards were somewhat the same level, maybe a little bit better at D2. It yep. was just um, the big men. A lot of the big men were a lot better at uh, D2 because a lot of them were actually big. Do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. were like a six, seven stretch four that's playing a five at NAIA. Yeah. They were like, like we had a six, ten, six, eleven big man national player of the year that was an actual five man do you know what I mean like yeah I thought that was the difference like teams could really throw the ball into the post um, yeah quite a lot of D2 schools were NAIs to be honest that, that went up so a lot of the time if you're in a really good conference for NAIA or D2 
there's not really that much difference. And some of the good teams in T2, we beat Division 1 teams all the time. Like, yeah. Some of these D1 teams ain't, ain't nothing, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? It's against a really good organised Division 2 team. Yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. So you graduate from your D2 school and then you end up turning pro. Um, and you sign your first... <laughs> you signed your first deal in, in Germany, is that right? Yeah. Um, so talk to me about that and um, your experience in Germany. Well, it was mad, you know, because when I graduated, um, but by the way, I brought my again. Oh, like, wow. In like, seven, not, not like nine months after I had the first one, I did all the rehab. I did nine months of rehab. Then I played for like three weeks, first game, preseason game. I tear through the sutures and my hip can't feel my leg again. I just said to the trainers, yo, done. So I had to, um, like, green shirt or get an a injury, red shirt, yeah. So I've uh, right. done another eight months yet, and I've had two hip surgeries. Um, and I, that's that second year, I was really just trying to not get hurt, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. my hip's so damaged and weak, it's my right leg as well. And it was just it was just a mess, bro. So I was just trying to have a year of not being hurt and mm. managing my hip because I knew once I went pro, we weren't gonna have a training room for full of thirty five students ready to give me ice baths and massage me and help me every day. Yeah, yeah. So that year, like I was just trying to just I weren't in a good place mentally because I was like I'm turning pro, I'm trying to watch out for my hip, but I'm not playing how I need to play and all what agents and teams going to be looking for I've mm. never played national team it's just all a big mess so I've graduated and I'm trying, I'm trying to get an agent now no agents are messing with me bro no <laughs> I'm thinking oh this is nuts yeah screwing bro I went on um, no one no one no one knows it's either like some of my close people know but like I went on I think it's like the fever page the fever page and I found agents Bro, mm. I typed up my resume and I sent it to like every single one. I think there's like 700, you know? Yeah. 700 agents. Typed up my resume and I've copied and pasted my email to every single one, but individually, you know? Because yeah. I don't want it to look like it's one agent and there's 45 other names in the, in the, in the email. Do you know what I mean? Because I right. feel like it's personal to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 700. I've got back agents. Like, not, I didn't get that too many either. For how many I did, like, raw, they were not messing with me, bro. And then, um, because obviously they're just thinking I can't sell it. Mm. And it's that injury, like, I just need to, all of that mess, like, no national team, I can't sell it. Wait to time. And obviously, I'm learning about the business point, and obviously, I'm just sitting there now, like, I've got no more university. I'm getting stressed. The whole summer, I'm stressed. I mean, told, stay patient, stay patient, thinking, yo, this is a joke. And then, like, I have days where I'm like, what am I working out for? Yeah. I've got no team. I'm work- I don't belong to anyone. Like, it's not like I'm going back to pre-season. I belong to no one. This is dead. So, throughout, throughout to like July, August, I'm thinking, yeah, keep working, keep working. Then it's like September, I'm thinking. My agents are talking about stay patient or just talking about, oh, yeah, I almost had this for you. I'm thinking. Almost. Oh, I'm not hearing from him. The next minute, he's like, yeah, it seems mm. interesting. I'm waiting three, four days, not hearing from him. I'm messaging him. He's like, oh, that died. I've heard that so many times. I'm thinking, this is dead. So I'm working. I'm working with my, um, at the airport with my homeboy. Got me a job because I'm just like, bro, I've got no money. 
haven't yeah. been at school for like five months now. Summertime, I gotta do something, and it's September. And this is back. Day, this is back in Birmingham. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I'm at home, and then I'm feeling like a failure, bro. I'm feeling like, yo, this is mad because they put me against a lot of guys, and I'm killing them. All yeah. The guys as well, girls. Like, I'm just, I just need the opportunity, and it weren't coming, and it was really out of my control. Do you know what I mean? And I just yeah. need to make sure my my body was the best equipped. And then I found some motivation, and then I just kept working, and then I eventually got a call from this team in Germany. Not from my agent, bro. My agent ain't doing nothing. He's done nothing. Yeah. I don't know that I can fire him. Also, I'm thinking, I barely got any agents hitting me up anyway. Why am I going to fire the one guy I've got? Do you know what I mean? I might be doing something, so I kept him. Then I finally got this coach uh, hit me up. Because one of my guys who's alumni at my school, he played at the same team, and he did really well. So he told them that they needed uh, needed me because they were looking for a shooting guard. And then I basically just signed there, and I got the agent who did nothing. So he would just look over the contract to me, and he got his agent fee, but obviously I didn't know nothing about contracts. And then yeah. I signed it, and then like a day later, I was off to Germany. So now, was this, was this Regionella Liga? When uh in Germany, regional one. Regional one was was still considered pro. I think it yeah. was like semi. But um at the time, it was it was pro, and that was interesting, man. Because I didn't understand when you're playing in a lot of these foreign countries, like they want you to do everything, man. Yeah. But the, the, the pressure is not to, for someone that likes to 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 do a lot on the court. I'm like, all right, cool. But I didn't realise how much they actually want you to do. And when things go wrong, it's your fault. Yeah. Blame so the, blame the imports. <laughs> yeah, man. And I was like, raw. This is, this is wild because I'm not even an American. But the Americans get it first. And then whoever else is an import gets it next. And the local guys get it last. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. That was, that was an interesting experience. Plus, I just like I'm shooting all the shots and I'm playing how I know I can play, but things just the last result isn't happening. So I'm getting to the spots, I'm getting shots that I want, they're just not going in. Yeah, I'm being told stay patient, stay patient, they'll fall, and I'm just like I haven't missed this many open shots in my entire life, and then I'm seeing my teammates getting fired, and if there's five imports and then four of them get fired and you're the one that's left, if we keep losing. Mm. I know what's next, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what am I going home to? I've lost my job. Yeah. And I, I, this is the start of my career. If if he dies down now, he's probably not going to pick back up. And then, um, yeah, I finally, I think I had a 30 game, a 30 ball, right when we was about to have another team meeting with, like, the owners. And we won that game. And then with the help of the other guys that were on the team that got brought in, we just started making a run and we, we salvaged the season. Right. So did you feel did you I guess you felt a lot of pressure then? Um yeah. given what was happening around you in terms of like the imports getting fired left, right and centre and stuff. It's not because I had a lot of pressure on myself because in my head it's I've always felt a step behind where I should be. Yeah. And with other players that I know I'm better than or just as good as, they're getting more from what they're doing. So I'm always chasing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So in my head, every shot needs to go in. Yeah. I need to, average, I need to do this. 
because I'm trying to catch up to where I should be that's respectable. Mm. Do you know what I mean? For all yeah, yeah, yeah. All of this and that. And obviously, at the time, I was living with my teammates. All the imports lived together. Yeah. There was like three of us in a big house. And the next minute, one's gone. Next minute, another one's gone. And the way that they did my first boy was they said, Dad, we're not making any changes, we're not making any changes. And then a new American dude was just at practice. I was like, okay. They were like, yeah, yeah, he's just going to practice with us. Oh, like, okay. no way. Next minute, game day comes. They're like, yeah, we're just going to see how he plays in today's game. Don't worry about it. You're not fired or anything. We just want to see how he does with the team. Two days later, my boy gets fired, and next minute he's getting told he's flying on. I was like, oh, oh. my God, this is mad. I'm glad we, we were able to talk about this because there are young players every day who, you know, want to aspire to be professional basketball players and aren't, aren't are oblivious to this side of the game, you know. You have to, with that comes a lot of responsibility, you know, when you have to perform and then there's pressure on you. And I don't think everybody who plays ball is built built for that. Like, that's the honest truth. Nah, a lot, a lot of them aren't built for it, man. Yeah. Like, basketball is like probably 60% mental. Exactly. And if you hit them in the right place, it's it's going to be tough and yeah. you still got out to your competition yeah no very true man very true um so yeah so you play at germany you end up signing uh, you end up coming home well sort of um and signing with the glasgow rocks mhm um that was that lead up that lead up to that was was not because after i did germany regio that's when I made the uh, GB seniors. Oh yeah. For the first time, like in my entire life, so that was like a huge accomplishment. That was 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 really nice. Just mm. to have some recognition. I think yeah. It was crazy because the second half of the season in Germany, I just started just I just didn't care no more. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I was like, I don't care about anything anymore. If this shot goes in, great. If it doesn't go in. Cool. I don't care. Do you know what I mean? I'm just gonna play ball, whatever. Yeah. Then I'm having forty. Then I'm having fifty. Then I'm having thirty. Then I'm having forties again. Then I'm having fifty. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I was yeah. Just like, wow. Cooking. Then I've got um on the national team. You know, I've done Euro basket, blah blah blah. Gone to Spain. That didn't work out. As in a lead gold. That didn't work out. Then I was just like, this basketball thing is long, man. Yeah. I was in goal, but then I ended up on a, 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 a EBA team, an EBA team, yeah. because I didn't want my agent didn't want me to leave Spain. Yeah, yeah. Like you gotta stay playing in Spain because that way you'll get picked up by an, another team. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, I don't want to be here, man. Ever like I'm just coming up from Eurobasket, and obviously because I'm just coming up from Eurobasket. Yeah. I'm all over the news. People are in my face all the time, thinking I'm gonna be the savior of their team. Yeah, I yeah. Want to play. I'm miserable, I'm in a small town. Oh, I was just like, oh, God. Yeah. And I ended up um, getting hit up by Tony, Tony Garbaletto. He was like, let's go. Yep. And they needed um, to bring a new player in to help them really make some strides. And then I was like, yeah, I'll just go. I don't want to play in the BBL, but Commonwealth Games was coming up, and I heard they were only taking BBL players. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Bet. I'm going to go to a good BBL team and. That means I'll be on, I'll be on the, the big the big show for the England team. So I ended up going, and then I went to Commonwealth. Yeah. So uh, 
We're glad we've actually got to that. Um, so talk to me about the Commonwealth Games. Um, you played on a on a pretty on paper what was a pretty loaded England team, um, mm-hmm. but you know results. Some will say you guys kind of underachieved. You know, um, yeah. So uh, talk talk to me about that, about that experience and uh, going to the Gold Coast, as they say. Yo, that place was absolutely amazing. One of the best experiences of my entire life. It's like it's actually like being at the Olympics. But yeah. I spoken to at the Olympics, they said it's like up there. Do you know what I mean? Especially because of the location and stuff. Yeah. And like, the profile of athletes, it was just. It was insane, man. But at that time, I was inches away from quitting basketball. Like, I yeah. didn't want to play anymore. Like, I was miserable. I hated my time up in Glasgow. I was like, nah, I was like doing this no more. So that was like a saviour for me. Do you know what I mean? I got to be in the sun for one. Being in Glasgow, the great overcast and just killing my mood. I was hating basketball. And then to go all the way to the Gold Coast was a saviour, man. And it really helped me, my mood. Um, and being with like a great group of guys that just just wanted to play and obviously it was a, a intense group so we just got to banter all of that and being and this was my first time making any England set up in my life mm. like I didn't do any juniors at all so yeah. it was kind of like I've never done juniors I got cut from my under 15 England and then the first time I make the England team I'm at the Commonwealth Games that's like one of the highest achievements for an England international do you know what I mean yeah no no so 100% I was I was super gassed and proud of myself because it just showed um, the testament of all that hard work of not being good enough when you're young and then now I'm better than a lot of them young players do you know what I mean because yeah. they stopped working and I kept working so yeah that was just amazing basketball wise I had a, a pretty good um, games individually. Yeah, no, you did, you did, you did. I, f- I followed, um, I followed it quite, quite uh, closely. I think I watched all of the England games. Um, yeah, you did. I remember you playing really, really well, man. Probably the standout of the of the team. Um, and to me, that was a surprise because I, when I was at GB, I didn't really get to play. So yeah. I'm questioning: Am I good enough on an international level? In my head, I think I am, but. You gotta go prove it, and now you've got the chance to prove it. Do you know what I mean? So, am I gonna do it? And then getting a chance to do it and actually performing was just—it was just amazing because I knew how much work. And remember, a lot of people are just telling me I'm a good basketball player. They don't know that I'm playing on one hip. Yeah. Oh, so your still your hip was still bad at this point as well. Yeah, like it's it's never gonna be a hundred. Like I had two hip surgeries, like big yeah. ones. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. It's never gonna be a hundred. But just the, just the fact of people telling me I'm a good basketball player when I compete with people that are healthy and high level is is all that I've ever wanted. Do you know what I mean? Because I can't do much about my hip. Like, I can't do anything about it. So the, the best I can do is for people to just not think I'm good for one leg. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. Yeah, but that, that team, we did underperform, man. Like, we had so much potential, but... People don't understand the other teams that we played were good, man. But we just the Scotland game, we just didn't turn up. And what pissed me off most about that game was, remember, I'm playing in Scotland at the time, bro. Oh yeah, all your peers. I've got to go back to Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. The only game they want to win is the England game. They don't care about the rest. Yeah. Yeah. We're like that's Scotland. We don't care about Scotland. I'm like, nah, 
that we need to care about them because I'm coming out for a medal for one. Yeah. Two, I live in Scotland and I'm not trying to listen to my teammates and the fans run their mouth. I just can't do it. Yeah. We didn't turn up, we didn't perform, and we lost. And that's what happens when you don't prepare properly and you underestimate people. So I'm kind of glad we lost because that's a lesson that we needed to learn. Yeah. I mean, for me, like watching it was it was essentially uh, the shock of the tournament. Like, do you know, I, I didn't think it would be an easy game for for you guys because obviously they had Kieran Achara playing. They had, uh, I think, Ali Fraser playing. Like, they had some some really good, really good yeah, players. Kieran, you know, GB captain. Yeah. Gareth Morris, who was like Gareth too. Like Euro baskets, bro. Like, yeah. They had a good team, and their coach was one of the best coaches in the NBL in Australia, like the top league. I've been practicing with these guys. They've had their training camp in Glasgow for like two months. Yeah. Okay. I'm with their team and we had like two weeks or three weeks together. Mm. And like they're prepared for us. They might not pass the eye test, but they can hoot, bro. Yeah. No, no, it's true. It's true. So just to touch briefly, um, so after your experience in the Commonwealth Games, your experience at Glasgow, um, you make two pit stops, one in Switzerland and one in Sweden, um, playing in the first division of both, in both countries. Um, Iceland as well. Oh, in Iceland as well. Yeah. Was this, this is all the same season or was this across? Yeah, I started off in Switzerland. Then I signed in Iceland in January and then I went to So what what was the the reasons like for you um, I guess bouncing from from one team to another like in Switzerland it wasn't really the right fit they've got rules in place of <clears throat> how many how many Swiss have to be on the floor at a certain time like I think it's three ah uh, right and we had three Americans and so <clears throat> if you're gonna go into a situation like that. You have to look at who are the good local players and what position are they? Because yeah. if they're good, remember they have to be on the floor like it's league rules. So on that team we had good wings and they brought me in, but they weren't sure with how good the wings would be. And then um, the wings were playing well, and they were basically just like, "We need you, but it's not really the right fit for you. And what kind of situation do you want to be in?" So I was like, "I'm here to play." Because not playing is going to screw me over, do you know what I mean? And obviously yeah. they were great in helping me find a new situation and getting out of that situation. But um, yeah, like obviously every player wants to play and I'm not living in a foreign country to not play. No, no, makes sense. Yeah, that was that. Was that. So I ended up um, coming home. Touching quickly on that domestic rule, I guess, in Switzerland. Do you think it's something that hampers the league and do you think it's something that would benefit the BBL, if the BBL were to introduce something similar, whereby, I don't know, three British players have to be on the floor at all times or or something similar? It's, it's tough because, like, Switzerland do it because I think it helps, it, help, it helps each country with, like, their development. Yeah. I mean, so, mm. the lower leagues in Germany, like, I think Pro B do it and, like, Regio... I'm not sure Pro A do it, but Pro B do it because if you have younger German guys that want to play at home and you develop them, 
then the pro and they're playing against pros, they're gonna get really good. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like faster than playing five minutes a game at the end of a blowout. Yeah. And you need them in the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna do really well. Like some of these BBL teams in Germany have like pro B teams that have all German youngsters because yeah. they their development, and then two years later, you're wondering why they can all play at high-level Europe basketball because obviously they've been playing pros and actually playing from young. So yeah, there's that side, but then you've got leagues like France and Germany BBL where they don't have rules like that mm. because they're classed as like professional and it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Teams are just trying to win. So yeah, it depends on how you want to look at a league and if you want to really use it as a development. But I I think that, I think it's cool. I think it's cool somewhat only because I've been to certain places and that rules bit me in the ass. So being in a country that's just open to everybody else and like you've got certain cultures that only love Americans or only only love Europeans. Yeah. You've got really good British players that have chosen to come home that are probably just as good as or better than these imports, but the coach doesn't want to rock with the, the British player because he's invested more money into the European or he's gonna have uh he's gonna have questions from the the administration saying, Oh yeah, you're paying the British guy, but why are we why are we paying so much for this guy and he's not playing thirty eight minutes a game? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. all that, that dumb politics comes into it, so yeah. It's a tough one, it's a tough one. I'm I'm a British guy, so the VBL are gonna do it, I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, because I've, cause I've heard about that rule in other countries as well, and I've always thought that, like, I think it, I personally think it does more harm than it does good to the to the league as a whole. Um, I think, obviously, on one, on one hand, you know, you like you said, you give more opportunities to domestic players, but I think it kind of gives them a, a bit of a spoon, it kind of spoon feeds, sp- kind of spoon yeah. feeds them a bit in the sense that, you know, you don't have to essentially be as good to step on the floor, and I think that's yeah. never a good. That's never always. That's never usually a good thing. You know what I mean? I think the guy, the right, the guys who are good enough should be playing. You know what I mean? Regardless of, you know what I mean? I think a better way to approach that is to have limits on imports. So rather than having four or five imports on your team, you cut it to two. Do you know what I mean? Who can play whenever and however. Um, but on the other hand, like this year, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about, um, we were talking about the NBL one team of the year. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw it, but um, an observation from me was that all five players were non were American or non, non-British, which I think is bad for a league. I think having an all league team um, or first team where there's no domestic players, I think that says a lot about the domestic players. You know what I mean? Credit to the, to the non British players that were picked, but not having yeah, one player, I think it looks bad on it looks bad on the on the on the domestic players. Yeah, definitely, I agree. It, it, it's kind of is it was it? Some people might look at it like, um, well, if the Americans or the non-British are the best players in the league, then the British players need to fix up. Do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Or, or it could just be is it biased towards non-Brits? Yeah, I only had one British name that came to mind that was eligible 
that could have been in that team of the year. I couldn't think of any others. So in that respect, I had to say that, like, you know, like I said, the British players got to step it up. And it's like in previous, like, Division 1 seasons, you know, you've had guys like, you know, Tintin Watts, you know, Danny Carter, you know, you've had guys, like, of that level of, like, British players who I think could be playing the BBL. You know what I mean? You've had those kind of players. And then... This is and this isn't a disrespect to you know British players in the in Division One. You know, I mean, I myself, I'm British. You know, and I play in Division One as well. But it's like, I don't think it's good for the league if we don't have British players that are good enough to make those teams. And I don't, and I'm not saying put one in there just for the sake of putting one in there. I think yeah. it's an it's an issue that somehow you know somehow needs to address. Maybe it's just a seasonal thing. Maybe this is a one off. You know, last year I think we had one British player in it. Um, who was um, you know Raf Thomas Edwards? Yeah, he plays at Bristol. Yeah, yeah. Going at it, boy. that Bristol boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, so like he he was in the I think he was in the team of the year last year. Um, and obviously he's made the jump up to the to the BBL. But then on the other side, you know, you've got a lot of players who are in Division 1 making the jump to the BBL. A lot of British players, you know, like Raf's one, you know, Lewis Champion's another. You know, you've got you've got a lot of players who are now making that step up. So, I mean, it's a two-way thing. You could, you could argue that, you know, because the British players are getting better and are making, you know, moves to the BBL and abroad, you know, maybe that's why Division 1 is suffering as a result. You know what I think? You know what I think as well? Yeah. A lot of a lot of British kids, when they see an American, they defer to them. Yeah. Like before they've even stepped on the court, in their head it's like, oh, they're American. I'm gonna be their backup, or I'm like, I'm not me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it with a passion. Yeah. Like, I'm not anybody's backup, but. Like mentally, like skill wise, if that's how it is, then I'm gonna work my ass to not be their backup. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But that takes time. And there's always someone better than you. But a lot of British players defer to people from other countries, and it's even before it's proven. So if you don't have that mindset of I'm not as good as an American, I'm not as good as a European, then you're not gonna be. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You're already on the back foot, but if you think that's just another basketball player, to be honest, I don't care. It could be from Timbuktu. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do me, do my thing, and we'll let it be proven. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But you already, before the season started, oh, they're American, they're this, they're that, I'm their backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not even going to be close. Yeah. You're just going to be, you know what I mean? So You're not even going to make your starting five. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I agree, man. I think there definitely is like a, a complex in a sense. Um, you know, you get an American on your team and now you're thinking, you know, that's that's the guy. Um, but like, I mean, I've played with Americans for, for all my adult career, you know what I mean? And it's like, there are some, some really good ones. There are some, you know, that come here, that, that dominate, you know, whether that's D1, whether that's BBL, you know, you've it happens. But there are also a lot of, bummy Americans, you know what I mean, to to put it like that, there are some bummy Americans or some, some average, mediocre Americans that come into to the country, you know what I mean? Um, I, think it's, I think it's mentally, man, like, it yeah. starts mentally. No, it's true. Then, like, there might be some, some Americans that are 
Hillers, like Matt Scott this year was absolutely tearing the league up. But yeah. As a British player, you can't back down from him. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Learn yeah. Learn from him and go at him. And mm. you're by default, you're going to get better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you've got any cojones about that, hopefully you just don't let what works three players ago work again. Do you know what I mean? You're going to improve. And over time, if you have that kind of mentality, that's mm. how you get better. And you got to measure yourself against the best, not against the guys that, are, that aren't that good. you got to measure yourself against the best. Yeah. And if that hurt for the, it hurts the ego when you're not as good as the best. Yeah. You've got to do that to, to raise your game. Do you know what I mean? All yeah. the time. Um, so yeah, so that brings you all the way to Worcester, um, and uh, like we spoke about at the beginning, you know, signing essentially for you could say your hometown club. You know, I think Worcester, Birmingham is what forty-five minutes away, if that. So yeah, just in terms of this season, you know, we had a lot of um, talk on social media uh, about you know how the season ended and. Glasgow wanting to claim the league and people telling them to shut up and, you know, a lot of that. How do you think the league would have panned out had the games had been completed? Like, who would you who do you think would have won the league? I think we would have won the league. We were on our way to the to old team, man. That's you think? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think it would have been us and Glasgow in the final. You, oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, and... Yeah. Like, Glasgow are good, they're a great coach, they've got every position locked down, yeah. they know how to play together, like, they're a really good team, and, and they adjust really well, and they play mm. defence, yeah. and they play at their own speed, but only a twisted Glasgow are good, they, they probably would have won the, um, the regular season, to be honest, it would have been out of them, Leicester and uh, Lions, because Lions were rocking as well, but I would have saw us and Glasgow in the final, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I think the, the, the annoying thing this year is that I think the, the BBL was as competitive as I've, I've ever seen it, you know? Like, you've got, you had yourselves who won the, the cup, you know, Newcastle, albeit given the circumstances, won the trophy. Um, you can never count Leicester out, you know what I mean? Like, Rob's probably one of the best coaches the league's ever seen and he's always got a, a talented team. You've got teams competing, man, and it's like usually, you know, over the years where I followed the BBL, it's always usually been, you know, Leicester, Newcastle, Leicester, Newcastle, London last uh, last year. Um, yeah, you know, we had the Royals for their brief um, what season and a half. Um, so yeah, man, I think it's it's a shame to be honest that the Corona came and you know deprived us fans of what could have been, you know, one of the most competitive BBL seasons we've seen in a while. But you know. Yeah, to touch on uh, your sort of life outside of basketball uh, or away from the court, um, you're quite a talented artist. Um, some of our listeners might not know. Um, so just quickly, like, how did you? When did you realize, firstly, that you could draw? <laughs> it's funny because, like, I've been into everything. Like, basketball was probably the last thing that I got into. So yeah. Kung Fu? Yeah, Kung Fu. I was like, I was playing in belts. But I don't play music, so I, was, I used to play the drums for my mom's church. Yeah. And I found basketball, and at that time, obviously, I loved art and I was doing all that at school. But 
it got to the point where I was like, yeah, I really, really like basketball now. The swimming thing is a bit long because they're telling me i got to go to the swimming baths before school. Mm. I've got K at the time, like uh, swimming caps and cocoa butter and that every day. It's just long. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing that no more. Cut off the music and everything else. And obviously, while I've been playing ball, I've been doing art. Yeah. Doodling, like I love spray painting and all that stuff. Mm. And I'm a really colourful guy, like I love colourful clothes, pink, purples, all of that. So I've been into that, but only now have I actually put it out there for other people to know that I'm into it. Yeah. So I've always done it, but it really started just because I like having stuff that I want that might not be on the market. So mm-hmm. if there's some, like, I think I made a biker jacket first. Yeah which is really colourful and I was just like I want a colourful biker jacket and if it's not one on the market that I can afford then why not just make something myself that can make personal to me then I made some shoes Balenciagas and then it kind of just grew from there and I was like there's a lot of stuff that I actually want that's not out there and if I just do the research and plan it a little bit then I can just go make it myself and then everything's just grown from there that's really cool man that's really cool but, but yeah, man. Um, thank you for um, being a guest on the episode today. Um, I wish you all the best um, with on and off the court. And um, and yeah, man. Appreciate Thanks it. Now, um, um, if you got any um, social medias um, that you want to plug or anything you're doing that you want to you want to plug. My Twitter is Kizas Four, which is K W E Z U S Four. Instagram Dej Kof like D E J K O A F and if you want to follow my art um, and customization that's Bespoke Kofi so Bespoke B E S P O K E dot K O F I so that's where you can find me okay alright thanks Kofi and uh, like I said all the best